Shabbat Shalom. It is so nice to be back in my hometown, the place where I grew up and where I went to college, and I bring you greetings from the Buckeye diaspora. (laughs) You know, I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I had an experience a few years ago where I wanted to watch an Ohio State football game, and we didn't have cable TV, and I went to one of these... um, Uh, restaurants, sports bar type places, and I walked in and I saw an area of the restaurant where there was a lot of scarlet and gray, so I sat down there in that section, and there was cheering, of course, and uh, a lot of energy, and I was making small talk with the guy next to me. He said, did you go to Ohio State? I said, yes, I went to Ohio State. We talked a little bit more. He said, "Uh, where are you from originally? I said, I'm from Columbus. And at that moment, he stood up, he pointed to me, and he yelled throughout the whole section, born and bred, born and bred. (laughs) So you should know that there are some parts of the country where this is something really, really special. I thought it was a little weird, but but that's what happened. Uh, It's even even more special uh, to be back at Beth Messiah. And, you know, as I was looking at the pictures last night, and I was looking at many of the pictures um, from my childhood and those of my peers growing up here at Beth Messiah and uh, watching the children being honored today and thinking of my own children, and it just just reminded me of, of some of the funny things that our children say. I'm often reminded when I come back to Beth Messiah of some of the the things I, the remarks I made when I was very young, and it reminded me just a few years ago when, when uh, our middle daughter, Lena, who's here this morning, was about three or four years old, and our son, Shai, was about six or seven years old, and, and Shai said to Lena, he said, Lena, do you want to play 20 questions? And Lena said, Shai, I don't even know the four questions. <laughs> And then I heard about a, a little girl who was with her family at a large Passover Seder that they were hosting, and uh, the father uh, asked her in the company of, of the large family and the many guests, would you uh, pray, would you offer a blessing here at the Seder? And she said, Dad, she said, I, I don't really know how to pray, I don't know what to say. And, and he said, just, just say what your mommy says. And she said, Lord... Why in the world did we invite all of these people to the Seder? <laughs> but to be back at Beth Messiah is truly something special. And not only that, it is, a, it is a tremendous honor. I do count it as a tremendous honor to share a Devar with you this morning uh, and in the presence of uh, my parents and uh, Rabbi Howard, Rabbi Michael, under whom I was uh, bar mitzvahed, uh, Rabbi, just a a mentor and confidant, and uh, many of you whom I have known, or I should say who who have known me since I was, as some say, knee-high to a Torah scroll. Uh, It is, uh, it's a great honor, and if you'll allow me just for a moment, a little bit of nostalgic reflection. uh, 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 when I was five years old, 
and living uh, just about 20 minutes this way off of Morse Road, uh, I remember uh, a, an experience that I've never forgotten and that I will never and I never will forget. And it's a, it was a time and a moment in my little five-year-old head when I began to think about, for the first time, uh, my own mortality. I began to think about death and I began to think about the, the vulnerability of it all and I began to think about the, the great unknown beyond it. And, and I still remember that sense of un- uncertainty and, and being troubled about the thought of, of, of what is all this about, who we are in this, this flesh and blood and, and beyond that. And, and it was a conundrum for me and it was trying. And I, and I remember at that moment, I, I walked into my father's office in our basement and he was, as he could often be found, huddled over a yellow legal pad there in his office. And I remember bringing this problem and this issue and this question to my dad. And there for the first time in my life, I remember um, my father or anybody uh, explaining to me in a way that that I could understand and relate in my little five-year-old head uh, some of the answers to these questions that I had been asking. And I remember for the first time hearing about who Yeshua is to me and, and what Yeshua has done for me. And it was at that moment that, that I first began, I would say, to, to assent, to agree. There was immediate resonance in my heart and in my spirit about who Yeshua is, his true identity as Messiah and, uh, and so forth. But as I was reflecting on this, this past week, something occurred to me that has not occurred to me in the 33 years since that experience. And that is, that whole entry into what would change the course of my life here and eternally came as a result of an interruption that I made in my dad's life. I walked into his office and I interrupted him. You know, today I find myself studying a lot in my own uh, small little home office, and we have three young children, and our youngest daughter, Tali, is right now five years old. And one of her favorite things to do is to come into my office, and I can hear Rachel and Tali in different parts of the house, and if something exciting happens, Tali wants to come and she wants to tell me about it. If she stubs her toe, she wants to come into my office and tell me about it. And Rachel is, is constantly having to say to Tali, don't interrupt daddy. Don't go into his office. Don't, don't interrupt daddy. And sometimes she listens. But you know, to me, for, for Tali to come in to my office it, 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 it's such a welcome interruption. I, I love it because I love her and because I care for her. And it, it's, it's a wonderful thing and it's a welcome interruption. And, and, and that's what I want to get us thinking about this morning as I share uh, succinctly, I hope, 
uh, with you this morning. And if there's anything of value uh, in what I share for this community this morning, for your lives spiritually, it will be infinitesimal compared to uh, what Beth Messiah has meant to me uh, in my own life. But let's think together about welcoming the right interruptions in our lives. We're going to look at the very first chapter of Nehemiah, and we're going to look at the type of interruptions we should desire and we should welcome in our lives. Avinu Shabashamayim, we are grateful uh, to be here together this morning and to be in your presence and to enjoy such a simcha, Lord. It is just such an encouragement to my heart and I know uh, to the hearts of all of us this morning to think about all that you have done over the past 40 years to look at the uh, vibrant uh, group of uh, young children just before us a few minutes ago, to think together about the good things that you have in store for the future. And I pray that as we uh, look into this passage this morning, that you would speak to each one of our hearts today. B'Shem Yeshua, we pray. Amen. It's so easy, and it's so easy after considerable time passes, to become complacent in our lives and in our spiritual lives, to become apathetic, to become only nostalgic and looking back, to go through the most motions and to do what we've always done. Playwright George Bernard Shaw wrote in the late 19th century, the worst sin toward our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. And it's so easy to become sort of indifferent and complacent. Rabbi Jehoachim Prince, a social activist, spoke these words on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in 1963. He said, when I was the rabbi, of the Jewish community of Berlin under the Hitler regime. I learned many things. The most important thing I learned under those tragic circumstances was that bigotry and hatred are not the most urgent problem. The most urgent, the most disgraceful, the most shameful, and the most tragic problem is silence. Some interruptions to our daily routine are not only okay, but they're of utmost importance in our lives. They are of grave concern, and welcoming the right interruptions in our lives can direct the course of our entire lives for good, and allowing for the right interruptions can be a matter of life and death. Nehemiah is a guy who wasn't indifferent, who wasn't silent. He was a guy who cared, who felt deeply. He was not a silent onlooker. He knew there were certain interruptions that were right, that were worthwhile, and that had to be allowed in his life. Let's look together at the way he responded in his life. Look with me at the first 
three verses of Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem, and they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Remember the context here. The setting is the middle of the 5th century BCE. The Persian Empire, the leading city of the Persian Empire, the background is exile, of course, a tiny, a weak, a fledgling community uh, in Jerusalem. Yes, Zerubbabel had done some rebuilding. Yes, Haggai and Zechariah had encouraged the people and Ezra had returned. But the community in Jerusalem is in shambles and the city was exposed to enemies. The opposition to rebuilding from neighboring peoples was great. And here the book begins, the words of Nehemiah. The last verse tells us he was a cupbearer. This sounds perhaps a little bit insignificant to our ears today, but this means he was a trusted advisor and confidant to the king. He was a person of great influence upon the king, and therefore in the empire he had made it, so to speak, as a Jewish Persian. But when Hanani and some others come from Israel, or what was then called the province of, of Judah or Judea, to Shushan, Nehemiah pauses to inquire. He cares enough to interrupt his life to inquire, to ask. How's it going in Jerusalem? How are, how are we doing? How are brothers doing in Jerusalem? And the answer he gets is perhaps more than he bargained for because he learns not well. They're in danger. The outer walls are still in ruins. So they're vulnerable to enemies. They're disgraced. The gates are burned down. This was the locus of community life Commerce, judging, prophetic utterance, a symbol of honor for a city, and they're charred. He cares enough to interrupt his, what, his life to inquire. You know, the weight of our burden to be shining the light of Messiah Yeshua among our Jewish people and here in the local community can sometimes be forgotten or be unloaded or be neglected because of growth, because of success, because of quote-unquote making it and having a respectable facility and a sizable community. But the question for us this morning is, are we willing to interrupt our lives to inquire both here within 
our congregational community, of our friends and our brothers and our sister. How's it going in your life? Inquire in, in, in with the desire to build genuine relationships one with the other. You know, we believe that we exist to meet a great need among our Jewish people. And that need is to see Yeshua reunified with his people and, and, and to see the truth of who he is and his true identity, to find its place back among our people and for our people to realize that we belong with him. And looking to the future, will we interrupt our lives and our daily routine to ask how can we, we meet this great need among our people creatively and in a way that's relevant and, and, and in a way that's powerful? Let's ask this question. Let's inquire of this question of how we can, can, can be there to meet such a need. He interrupts his life to inquire. The second thing he does is he interrupts his life, he cares enough to intercede. Look at verses four through 10. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven and I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them back to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. He cared enough to inter interrupt his life, to intercede. You know, when I was a teenager here at Beth Messiah, um, one of the greatest blessings of that time and of my entire life was, was to have a strong peer group here. And Mark Side was a part of that peer group, and he read uh, for us this morning. Some of you know Michael and Anthony Ray of Hazakim. They were a part of that peer group. And I think that the four of us hold the distinction of being the only four teenagers in the history of the city of Columbus to be pulled over by a police officer for praying in our vehicle. <laughs> we were out late past a curfew. I didn't even know that cities have curfews. I thought parents have curfews. I didn't know cities have curfews. And uh, in a parking lot somewhere, and a police officer came and knocked on the door. And, and the truth is... 
We were praying. <laughs> Nehemiah's interruption to inquire, to care and to ask, led him to intercept to intercession. And look at this prayer. Look at his prayer. This, this is such a beautiful model for us. His prayer is, is sincere. He, there's weeping, there's mourning, there's fasting. He has received a burden because he sees the need among the Jewish community in Jerusalem. He really did care. The prayer acknowledges the character of God. He says, Hagadol uh, v'hanorah. We, we, the, the, the words of the Amidah borrow from this very prayer. He knows he's addressing the one who can bring about a change of circumstance. The prayer is persistent. Hear the prayer I pray before you day and night. The prayer is, is penitent and is humble. He doesn't place blame for, for any sin and rebellion that's been uh, found among his people, but he identifies with the error of his people. I and my father's house have sinned, he says. Here's a righteous man, a, a, a mensch, not a perfect guy, but one who knows his own destiny is wrapped up in the, de in the wider destiny of his people. It doesn't matter how much God has blessed him in his position there in the empire. He interrupts to intercede. The prayer is hopeful. It reminds God of God's promises. He says, he says, remember what you have promised us in the Torah. He quotes here from Leviticus and from Deuteronomy. You said if we're unfaithful, you would scatter us, but if we return to you, as I'm doing now, no matter where we've been scattered, you will bring us back. Remember that you redeemed us from Egypt. He, he displays here what, what we call today Ahavat Yisrael. Ahavat Yisrael, not, not, not an ethnocentric love for Israel or the Jewish people, but God's love for Israel in, in the heart of a person. The question for us, as we sit this morning looking back, celebrating the present and being looking forward to the future, is will we care enough to inter interrupt our lives, to intercede and to, to truly intercede and to pray. I'm not talking about discharging a, a, a sort of daily discipline uh, with a 15-minute stopwatch. I'm not talking about a regular um, a routine of davening, which are all fine and good, but what we see here is a very real, burden that, that must be present in our lives in those times and in any other times when we're called to a certain special prayer and intercession. Will we continue to intercede for one another in the, in the needs through the ups and the downs of our lives together as a congregational community? And for, for this great need that, that, that we seek 
to make known to the Jewish community and that we, and that we seek to meet, and that is the estrangement of Yeshua from our people. And will we continue to carry the burden for that great need and to, to really sow into and really invest into in a way that is sincere like Nehemiah and in a way that acknowledges who God is and in a way that's, that's penitent and humble and, and persistent and reminds God of God's promises to, to redeem. Will we prioritize that in our lives? Will we allow that interruption to intercede? But there's one more interruption that we observe here in the passage and we find it in the last verse and it's not obvious, but when we look closely, we see, we see just a stroke of literary artistry in this third interruption that Nehemiah welcomes. O Lord, he says in verse 11, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. There's an expectancy here about the future. Let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. And what we're seeing in this last verse that a a shift has taken place in Nehemiah's heart that he has formulated at least the seed of a plan that he's going to make himself available, that he's going to allow himself to be interrupted to intervene in the situation and in the cause of what needs to take place in Jerusalem. He says, give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cut bare to the king. He's volunteering to help. And that I was cut bare to the king comes at the, at the very end of that chapter there. Because he inquired, because he learned of a, of a great need, he was moved to intercede. Through that intercession, he's moved to intervene. And that's, that's the third and the final applicational question for us this morning. As we now look to the future of our congregation, do we care enough, not, not just to, to ask and to build community and to ask that greater question concerning the larger Jewish community, and, 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 and not only to be praying, but to be open in our prayer and in our seeking to the role that God would have us play. As, as Beth Messiah moves forward, and as I'm sure we'll hear more about tonight, with Messianic Studies Institute and, and its expansion and, and things that are, 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 uh, we're looking forward to happening here within the facility and, and programs and, and ministries and all of these things, Will we interrupt our lives? What does it mean for our routines, for our regular involvement? But do we care enough to welcome that interruption 
to intervene. I think that the call to community in one another is, is, is a, of such a vital significance that maybe we need to revisit that in our lives and, and, and how we're involved in, and, and uh, present in, in the lives of one another. I think that the, the cause of Yeshua's true identity as Mashiach, as Adon, Lord, being communicated among our Jewish people is of such vital significance and importance that it's worth checking ourselves in this milestone event and during this benchmark moment to ask ourselves, am I inquiring? Am I interceding? And am I available to intervene? When God told Abraham to take Isaac, it was an apparent interruption from the pursuit of the promise through Isaac. When God called Moses from the burning bush, it was an interruption of his peaceful life in Midian. When Rahab welcomed the spies in her home, it was an interruption from the daily routine of life as she knew it. When Israel's army was threatened and David said, I'll go, it was an interruption from the tranquility of the shepherd's life. And yes, and ultimately when Yeshua would withdraw to desolate places to pray, when he submitted his will to the will of the Father in Gethsemane, it was an interruption in his life, an interruption in the life of his followers, an unspeakable one, and yet it's the interruption that we see here in our passage and in the lives of these figures in the scriptures and so many others and in the lives of those who have been used mightily here at Beth Messiah that make all the difference. I hope we will ask this morning of how we can creatively and how we can powerfully and in relevant ways help to communicate who Yeshua is among our Jewish people to reunify that relationship. I hope we'll pray for it and I hope we'll make ourselves available to intervene. Adonai, we bless your name today. Lord, what an amazing reality that uh, you call your vessels to be involved in matters of eternal significance. Lord, that you desire that we play a role in uh, your kingdom being established here among us just as it is in heaven. Lord, we bless you today and uh, we thank you today for the matters of eternal significance that, that Beth Messiah has participated in. Lord, for the great changes that have taken place 
in the lives of so many. Lord, of, of individuals crossing over from death into life through our congregation. Lord, for, for people receiving uh, special uh, callings, Lord, uh, in, into, into your service in various, in different ways and in different parts of the country and world and in the land. Lord, we're so grateful uh, today. I pray that for each one of us, you would help us to desire the interruptions that are clearly of you in our lives. Lord, may they result in your glory and may they result in the exaltation of Yeshua, our Messiah and our King in the, li- in the lives of our people. B'Shem Yeshua we pray. Amen.